Welcome to the Bible Rundown. Pastor Rob, Pastor David here. We're on day 78, Joshua 1 through 3 and Mark 16. Rob, we have finally made it from the age of Moses. We're in a new era, man. This is a, a new guy on the scene, Joshua. It, it's interesting, right? So, I mean, we very much pick up right away. Verse 2, Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. I mean, God is not wasting any time. He did not allow Moses to go over the Jordan and claim the land, but he's ready. Joshua's on the scene. What do you see in, in chapters 1 through 3 of Joshua? Such a uh, such a transition here from the struggle to to obey the Lord to now we have like victory. Like Joshua is the Jesus character, right? Like he is the man. He comes in and and actually, if you translate Joshua's name in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, and so Yeshua is Jesus. And so like it, the translation is the exact same word of Jesus. And so we, we have this struggle, right, of obedience. We have this struggle, the 40 years wandering the wilderness. And now the Christ figure comes on the scene to take back the nations uh, and the land, his creation. All these, these pictures are coming into play now of Christ comes to take back the nations which are against against the Lord deserving the judgment and wrath of God. He, he takes it upon himself to die upon the cross, not only for Israel, but all the nations to be king and ruler over all the nations. <clears throat> God is becoming king and ruler over all these nations through their judgment. And he's providing salvation through for God's people. He's redeeming the land that is broken. All these play are, are coming into play, but God is 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 showing, telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And there is a sense here in which the Lord is working through this man, and uh, He will lead Israel back into the Promised Land, and they will conquer the giants, uh, the demonic giants, if you will, um, of of the land of Jericho, all, all the other surrounding lands, the land of Jerusalem eventually, and God will give them victory. It's an interesting book. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's a verb in here, uh, go over or pass over. We're going to see it numerous times in Joshua, but it's the same Hebrew word for the Passover. And so really, I think it's connecting this idea to that God is with his people to accomplish everything that they're setting out to do, right? So in the same way that the Lord was in the Passover in Egypt, he, as they pass over the Jordan and go into this land, is going to be with them to fulfill all those things. And the first thing they come upon is the infamous city of Jericho. And we have Rahab here, which if we're looking for a connection to Christ, Rob, is Rahab included in the uh, the deliverance of a Messiah? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so interesting that Rahab is one of uh, in in the genealogy of Christ. Rahab is there, and she will actually uh, be the father of um, of of Ruth's husband. Uh, she she will actually father. She, I'm sorry, I I messed that up. But she will she will she will she will have a son, and that son will be. The husband of Ruth. 
Thank you. There you go. Boaz. 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 Yeah. And so his, his, his you know, the idea of the, the harlot from Jericho in the line of Christ, uh, the, the prostitute who is now um, redeemed and is God's people. I mean, there's just so much imagery here and, and such a beautiful picture of who God wants in his kingdom. It's those who are willing to submit themselves to the Lordship of Christ. And she does that by, um, you know, declaring that for the Lord, your God, he is the God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. So she declares who God is and she knows him. And because of her declaration of that, God blesses her even in the line of the kings and the line of Christ. Yeah. Amen. Well, we're going to read a lot more about Jericho uh, in the coming days, but uh, we want to leave enough time to really focus on Mark 16. And and you had kind of mentioned the focus that this is going to have for you this Easter season. But um, Jesus is is resurrected from the dead. What what is going on? Mark 16. Why do we have this footnote that some of our Bibles and the early copies didn't include verses nine through 20? Yeah. And before we get there, just in the end of Joshua 3, they walk across the Jordan on dry ground. There is a significance here, just as they walked on dry ground in the Red Sea, they walk across the Jordan on dry ground. God is doing the same thing in this generation that he did in the previous generation, showing that he is the God uh, over nature. He's the God over all things, and he's doing that miracle again. But in Mark 16, it's interesting because Mark ends his gospel in verse eight and it's just open-ended and we have this section here in verses nine through 20 that uh it, it, it says at the bottom of your bible that the earliest manuscripts don't include this so whether they are in or out i don't i don't know entirely whether we should include these or not i think your bibles do a pretty good job of saying hey look these are in in other manuscripts mainly because the King James Version includes them. We include them in the ESV Version. And so they're in the, the earlier manuscripts. They're not in. So they may have been added later um, because of the frank, the, the, the complete stop that Mark puts at the end of the book. And it actually, it actually goes well with his book. The complete stop at the end goes actually well with the, the rest of the book because Mark is showing the amazing work of God, the amazing work of Christ. He's very definitive to give you the picture and then move on. He doesn't, he doesn't belabor the point. He doesn't give you a lot of detail. He just gives you the picture and moves on. And you're to determine in your own heart and mind what you are to do with this story, this amazing story of Christ. And at the end, he, he leaves it open-ended so that you understand that now he's resurrected. What are you going to do with it? And so that's what we're going to be talking about at Easter. David, what are your thoughts on, on Revel- uh, Mark 16 and the resurrection? Yeah, I mean, it fits, I think, like you said, well with what his focus uh, if you want to call it that, of how he wrote, right? He's he's very abrupt and immediate with what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is not doing. Um, but he's also writing to a lot of people that uh, don't really understand 
Jewish customs. So he's, he's focused a lot more on the works of Jesus and, and what he did. So I think it's, it's okay, right? Like if we ended at verse eight and we didn't have anything more, it's interesting that the last line is that they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Uh, I mean, it's similar when we read the end of Matthew, it told us that some of the disciples doubted. So I think there's this human side of, of the gospel writers that are trying to capture that. I mean, if we were really, if we're honest with ourselves and we were here at the scene, would we not have the same reaction that these women had when they went to the tomb? Right. I mean, they don't understand how it all fits together. And so I think that, uh, I think what I wrestle with sometimes is I want everything to fit together nicely. I want my loose ends to be tied, right? I don't want a lot of mystery, but I think part of what it means to follow Christ is that there should be a lot of mystery. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so maybe this is Mark's way of, of countering it with what we know Mark experienced in his own life, which he had fears and he had doubts, right? He abandons Paul in Acts. So there could be some, some things echoed here in his gospel of, it's a legitimate thing to maybe have anxiety and fear, but those things are mastered by the Lord. They're not things that we remain in that state. Right. Just some out loud thoughts, but <clears throat> no, that's good. I mean, I think I think when we when we look at Mark sixteen, we have to understand that <clears throat> that uh, it's good for us to wrestle with these issues. It's good for us to say, "What are you going to do?" With an empty tomb. Mark doesn't tell you what to do. It's not like, here's your answer to every prob- life's problem. It's like, the, the tomb is empty. Now, what are you going to do with that? Like, how are you going to live your life? This is essentially the question that he's asking here. How are you going to live now that the tomb is empty? And I think, I think it's worth noting here that uh, it's a good question. And so our listeners today, how how are you going to live your life knowing that the tomb is empty, that he is risen? He is risen indeed. Bible Rundown, we'll see you tomorrow.